Blackout Thursday. Blackout. Everyone's in the dark. Blackout. Starting with Mad About You. When Jamie's little mistake causes the whole thing. Oops. And lights out on friends when Chandler's trapped with a famous underwear model. All right. Then can a gymnast light up Seinfeld's life? I can balance myself in any position. And the madman spins the blackout busted for looting. You're sitting on my boa. Blackout Thursday plus an all-new ER. A church <laughs> in Ethiopia with you. <laughs> This is It Happened One Year, a look back at the events, big and small, famed and forgotten, from... 1994. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. We're, We're here. doing it again! <laughs> and you believe it, it happened one year. <laughs> we haven't quit yet. I don't even know why. <laughs> no. Does it feel like it's only been a week? It feels like an eternity. <laughs> I don't know. Yes. I don't know how many days it's been. It's been seven, seven days since our last episode. Seven days. We're back. The audiences are uh, ecstatic. I think all of the reaction has been good. <laughs> I'd say the enthusiasm has been tempered. <laughs> People seem fine about it. <laughs> they seem fine about it. I wouldn't say we're taking the world by storm, but uh, the people who've listened to it have all responded with kind of a collective, oh, well, what more can you ask for? I see you guys are doing a podcast. That's what I get. So, out of puzzles to put together, are you? <laughs> and we were like, the greatest puzzle of all is the human mind. <laughs> Thus, podcasts? I don't know. Uh, and is there any greater puzzle than 1994? No. Nope, I, I argue not. there's not. Yeah, I'm, I agree. So, this is going to be really off topic, and we did not talk about this beforehand but i did read somebody mentioning this week about how if you took back to the future and set it today that when he goes to the past the past for back to the future would now be 1991 right <laughs> oh god that has nothing to do with it but the idea was this person like argued the idea that like the world was the world more different between now and 1991 or 1985 and 1955 and they're they're logic was very much that it was the back to the future years that 1955 is that different but i argue that the world is nothing like it was in 1991 and yeah. then by extension 1994 1994 if, if you took an 18 year old from today and put them in 1991 they wouldn't know how to do literally anything yeah like nothing works the same but in 85 yeah. and 55 basically the same right yeah yeah no i think that makes sense the thing is there were real like cultural like looks and feels to 1955 and 1985 and i would argue that that is probably more different than today like pop music has evolved somewhat and it is different but i would say the 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 gap between what like 1955 music and 1985 music is is bigger than 1991 music and what year is it 2021 music yeah so, uh, you know, I think there are ways that you can argue that it's different, but I would agree, like just generally functioning in the world is so different now. And as we have lived through both 1991 and, and 2021 so far, and we have like slowly experienced the progression of technology, then I think, you know, maybe it's not as like you don't think about it as much, but functioning in 2000 one or 2011 is different than functioning today because technology is moving so fast so right that's I, I think that's the part of it that just struck me as so odd the way that they put it where they framed it as it's so obviously 55 and 85 and you're right like culturally it was it's a much different place in 85 like yeah. just things that are acceptable nothing was acceptable in 55 i mean yeah. my god yeah but as ways far as the world actually functions and works and you do anything is all so much different now than it was 30 yeah. years ago. That's have my you, idea. Have you ever seen the videos of people giving their kids rotary phones and them trying to figure <laughs> out how to use it? It's amazing. No. Cause yeah. like they can't even figure out, they can't figure out anything about it. Like, what is it? How do you talk into it? Like which end do you talk into? Let yeah. alone how do you dial it? They're the most hilarious videos. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just think about, even if we want to come back to the same, to the music idea, while music might sound the same, there's nothing, I mean, there were CDs in 91, but there weren't a lot of CDs. So you're still basically functioning with cassette tapes. Yeah. And then like, and then go back from there. Like, would would a, a kid from of 18 even have any idea what an eight track is? It looks yeah. like a video game cartridge. Yeah. Uh, and forget records. Like, even though records still exist, 
as the main thing, like this delicate piece of vinyl is how you have your music yeah. is so terrifying, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I can't accidentally leave Spotify on the back of my parents car and melt the Spotify so that, you know, I can only listen to one side of an album. Right. That is what I did in 1991 is I melted my cassettes to the Walkman. Nice. <laughs> uh, poor Amy Grant. We never knew you. <laughs> probably true. Yeah, Lost that's probably forever. accurate. But one other thing that has fallen off considerably, I really this was not meant to be this setup, but it works no. very nicely. Here we go. One other thing that has fallen off, I think, in the age of streaming and DVRs is the idea of television crossovers or theme nights. Now, yes. theme nights never seem to be that popular. There's only a couple instances of them. And by far the most famous one that ever took place was on NBC on November 3rd of 1994. And that's what we're here to talk about with this big roundabout Marty McFly <laughs> setup that we have. Blackout Thursday. Blackout Thursday. Must yeah. see TV. I would actually argue that event TV, like event episodes are gone, right? Like yeah. there used to be the Super Bowl episode. There used to be like finale episodes. Uh, that is largely gone. It is binging different shows that get popular at different times. Even any kind of event episode, let alone theme nights, uh, I think don't exist anymore. What was the last like television show that was a network show? It had to be a network show because streaming shows don't count that had a finale that people came together to watch. I what got would it. What that even be? It's Game of Thrones. That's true. Game of Thrones was about it. And, every, yeah. and maybe that's why this has all gone away is everybody <laughs> was so crushed by that moment when you realized, oh my God, we actually invested all this time in this terrible thing that we were like, well, never doing this again. Take how, me to Netflix. Like, how many shows are there that have disappointed us with the finale so badly that, like, it, it, like I think of that. I think of How I Met Your Mother. Like, yeah. That was an event when that finale happened because it was like that show was all about r reveals and slow, like, you know, showing you clues of things that were going on. And it was so disappointing. Yeah. I think, and I mean, part of me, this is what has jaded me against television. Anybody who knows me personally uh, knows that I am not a big fan of, of television anymore because I feel like I've been burned so many times by just the way television is made that like, why would you ever pay to read a book and you only get half the book, right? Why would you ever, you'd never even start, right? Why would you go to a movie theater and know you can't see the end of the movie? And yet we still watch television shows with no guarantee that we can finish the story. And that just drives me nuts. That's and then the other idea is when you do invest a lot of time, then sometimes the creators leave the you yeah. know, the, the, the group disbands and you're bringing in other people and they finish it up and it completely different and sucks. Yes. And this has just ruined television for me in yes. recent years. And to the point that now I just watch movies <laughs> and, and old and like old episodes of South Park. This is all I've got. So, yeah, but no, I mean, that's that. But thinking about it, like, yeah, there's not a lot of television finales anymore where like I remember in the 90s and the 2000s, like oh, yeah. even if you didn't really watch a show, you still watched the finale because you yeah. were like, oh, I want to see how Newhart ends, you know, like oh, it was yeah. just something you did, you know, I remember we were visiting family friends when the Cheers finale was on. I was what year was that? That was 92. Yeah. So I was nine, 93, 92 I, or 10. I had never watched an episode of Cheers in my entire life. But I remember one of our friends was like, you can't talk to me. I'm watching the Cheers finale. And he like sat by himself in front of the television while we all like spent time together to watch the Cheers finale. I mean, I these were big cultural that. events. Like yeah. you go back through the, the highest rated shows that weren't like Super Bowls or I don't know, event Oscars, things like that. It's always show finales. Like the yeah. MASH finale forever was the highest watched show. I'm not sure if it, it probably still is as far as a scripted show, but the MASH finale was like all time. That was the show, you know? Yeah. And yeah. the Cheers finale was a huge deal. Like, you know, but on through that, the Seinfeld finale was a big deal. And the yeah. Friends finale was like, this was something that carried on and now is basically gone away because streaming, and I, there's not the shared experience of watching television anymore because there's 8,000 shows yeah. and you can't meet two people who have seen the same stuff that you've seen. Yeah, that's true. That television's is the worst. The, the like discussion of like, do you watch this? No. Do you watch this? No, I right. don't. I like how I don't. Because uh. there's Everyone's too much. All, but it is then more exciting when you find someone who has watched the same thing you have. And and when you build that in people. So my entire team at work, we've all now watched Shit's Creek because we talk about it all the time. Yeah. And and so enough people had watched it and continue to talk about it. The, the rest of us felt like we had to watch it. And so yeah. it worked out pretty well. But to bring us back to the topic that we're here to talk about, if you're talking about finales that I remember watching, there were... On Blackout Tuesday, four shows that were included. I remember watching the finales of three of those shows. So, Madman of the People, we did watch today. Yeah. 
Well, I remember it because we just did it. So all four of those ships. <laughs> I do. Yeah. yeah. Not not in real time. So I, I'm not sure yeah. it counts, but. I'm not 100% sure I've seen the Mad About You finale to this day. I don't. Because we've it's never amazing. actually sat and watched all of Mad About You, right? Yeah, we were we were working on it. It's great. It's so great. It's like it sort of breaks the whole concept of the show. Not spoiler alert, but it sort of breaks the whole concept of the show and like flashes forward. And it's just it's great. It's so good. But then it is undone by the fact that they brought Mad About You back. Completely undone by the fact that they brought Mad About You back. They totally ignore the finale, which is yeah. disappointing because I thought the finale was really good. Well, maybe this is what we'll get with Game of Thrones someday. <laughs> when it comes when it comes back and Tyrion is the the yeah. king and everybody's like yep. oh okay and we'll just ignore what happened it's fine Khaleesi's still good and yeah that. the Khale- Khaleesi and Jon Snow are just like an, an action duo palling around yeah. yeah fingers crossed never bring Game of Thrones back <laughs> <laughs> let me just reiterate I'm never gonna watch those prequels and I'm never gonna watch anything else they do so Blackout Thursday yeah let's talk about Blackout Thursday so yeah. I can I can set up the the premise here Blackout Thursday was this this night that NBC did where they said we've got these four shows that are on TV and guess what there was a blackout in New York I assume a blackout in New York had like recently happened and that's what gave them the idea I don't actually know that that's true but I assume it had so the thing was not in 94 but there's a famous famous New York City blackout from the 70s and I realized oh. that's a long time before but it was a big deal when it happened. Yeah. And it was like 77 I want to say. Cuz then in in our lifetime like there've been like 2003 blackout was a big yeah. deal that blackout. Yeah. That again's 9 years later. But I think the concept of a blackout is such an ingrained New York City thing. Oh. That's, that's how they were able to do this. And all these shows were set in New York City. So four shows, Must See TV, Thursday Night, Mad About You, Friends, Seinfeld, and a show called Mad Man of the People that I stumbled over the name because I hadn't heard of it until we talked about Blackout Thursday, even though I'm pretty sure I watched Blackout Thursday. Sure. Nobody has thought about Mad Men of the People since 94. I probably had to go to bed before yeah. we get to the end. But yeah, so those four shows, this running theme of Blackout, so... Mad About You kicks off the blackout friends episode in the blackout. It's a pretty famous friends episode. So like notable in in that way, Seinfeld ignores the blackout was part of the promotion, but no blackout at all referenced in the episode. And then I assume Mad Men of the people talked about the blackout, but it's impossible to find episode descriptions. So we're just like, I think it did. Yeah, based on the promo that we managed to pull up, uh, apparently in the Mad Men, we'll talk about Mad Men of the People a little bit later, but apparently the Dabney Coleman character, who's the main character on this show, gets arrested for looting? Uh, he's like a, oh. a a journalist. He's a, a newspaper columnist or something, or a magazine columnist, and that's what the promo was. So probably just sitcom hijinks. You know, he probably, yeah, whatever, we'll throw yeah. him in jail. It'll be funny. He'll be funny in jail. Not funny enough to get that show renewed. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but I think one of the things that's interesting about this is not only is it a theme night, but theoretically, at least the first two episodes happen chronologically. Because in the episode of Mad About You, Jamie causes the blackout. And then in the episode of Friends, the blackout happens. So like sort of chronologically, you see it happen. And then the lights come back on by the end of the episode. So I don't know how they frame the Mad Men of the People episode, but it would be cool, let's say, if it was the fallout of the blackout because that mm. would still make sense i have no idea if that's true well, the lights do come back on by the end of the friends episode yeah they so do. the blackout doesn't take that long and then the blackout starts at the end of the mad about you episode yes. so it's not like that's also a blackout episode that just kicks off the rest of the night yeah a night where again seinfeld did not participate but even that seinfeld episode takes place over a couple days so it doesn't it has no bearing on anything yeah yeah, this was not something that I think was even done all that often. The only other thing we could find was NBC also did a Hurricane Saturday a couple of years earlier Ugh. where the Golden Girls and Empty Nest and Nurses, I guess, all take place in Florida and there's a hurricane. A great place to mine the comedy as out of a hurricane. Great job, guys. You um, know, it happened in 1991 and my knowledge of Florida hurricanes is not... It was 1991, you said, right? I think it was 91, yeah. Yeah. My knowledge of Florida hurricanes is not all that great. I think Andrew was after that by a couple of years, right? Wasn't Andrew in 92 or 93? I'm honestly not sure. It was. It would have been around then if it wasn't yeah. then. But I mean, there's a there's a, a name Florida hurricane, what, every two, three years? Yeah. So. But Andrew was like borderline Katrina style, like devastation. Yeah. And so I just, I'm not even going to check the facts. I'm just going to believe that Andrew happened after this. Because if it happened before this, very poor taste. Yeah. Very poor taste. It does seem pretty grim. It'd be, yeah, it would be like if they had the Hurricane Katrina episode and it's <laughs> yeah. just, you know, the gang gets together and they're yucking it up. Like, that's not great. So Not great. 
Yeah. But yeah, Blackout Thursday wanted to get this whole theme together. And apparently the ratings for this were really strong. And to the point, like I was saying, I believe that's the first Friends episode I ever watched and probably the only Friends episode I watched for a while. I wasn't really a Friends person in the 90s. But because it was this big promotion event and, you know, you had Seinfeld smack in the middle of it, it was still like, this is this is something to tune into. So, yeah, I, I, I think that it really worked out for them for what they were doing. Yeah. And it is an interesting thing. to We sat and watched all of these. We Again, we didn't watch The Mad Man of the People because we couldn't find it. But we watched the other three together. And I think it's interesting because it was, what, the third year for Mad About You? Yeah. And it was Friends, like, seventh episode. And then it's Seinfeld's, like, it's beginning of the sixth season of Seinfeld. Yeah. So these are shows at completely different parts of their runs. Uh, Mad About You is pretty hitting its stride at this point. Friends is still figuring it out. And Seinfeld is not past it, but is is clearly over the cliff. Like they're, they're beyond where things were really working, which yeah. season three, four, five, somewhere. Right yeah. There. So it's odd to watch all these together and realize this was all at the same time. Listen to how you could win a grand prize of one of a hundred trips for two to LA to see a live filming of friends or thousands of other great prizes by specially marked packages of Diet Coke. Watch the Diet Coke commercial during friends on January 11th, 18th, 25th and 28th. See if one of them drinks it. Match the name under the cap with the Friends character who drinks the Diet Coke in the Diet Coke commercial each week, and you're a winner. Who's going to drink the Diet Coke? Watch Friends. Okay, so we should probably talk about, like, the plots of the actual shows that night, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess they're kind of interesting. I mean, so I would say that's more of a... You probably would know better than I would, but that seems like a pretty pretty standard Mad About You plot. Yeah, so Mad About You had, like, they were sort of exasperated at each other all the time, but in a lovely and endearing way. Although, as the show went on, and even into the revival, they just made Jamie more of a a jerk, and Paul more of a victim, which was not my favorite thing that they did. But, generally speaking, around this time of the show, it is them just, like, getting on each other's nerves, but still liking each other. And so that was what happened. Like, they were, what, they were both working in the house, and that was hard. That was, like, the whole plot. Yeah. Yeah, right? but, but the reason the whole blackout comes about was because Paul's working on, I'm guessing, some sort of television documentary. Oh, yeah. He does a documentary around this time about the history of television. That's how they got, oh, what's his name? The guy from the Dick Van Dyke show. Oh, Carl Reiner. Yeah, that's how they got Carl Reiner on because he was like playing a, a Carl Reiner-esque figure with a different name. Oh, no. Was he? he? I think he was playing Alan Brady, wasn't he? He played Alan Brady. That's right. Yeah. Who was kind of like a big TV mogul guy, right? So it, Carl was, So, I mean, this this actually creates an interesting... I mean, this isn't part of this, but it does create another part of our conversation we can have uh, in a couple minutes is the crossover idea that the Dick Van Dyke show and Mad About You exist in the same universe because of Alan Brady. Yes. Anyway, so yes, Paul's making a documentary about the history of television. Jamie is trying, I think if I remember correctly, she's left her job at the PR firm or she's left her job and now she's like trying to start her own PR firm. Jamie's job is sort of vague. Mm -hmm. She was in PR for most of the time that she was on the show, but then by the end, she's a counselor. It's very confusing. Mm. Or social worker or something. Um, I think she's in the revival. In the revival, but like even leading up to it, she was like doing that work and kind of making that transition. So they're never super clear about what her job is. But like when they meet, she is like a a borderline executive. So she's trying to work at home because I think she started her own, you know, trying to start her own PR firm. And Paul is watching TV and being annoying. So the idea is they need to get cable in a different room because they're both working in the living room. And this leads to a whole series of hijinks in which... They're trying to get a legal cable from the roof. And she, Jamie's trying to do it without Paul knowing. A lot of great appearances from Jerry Adler in this episode. Uh, Ira pops up in there a little bit, who everyone's favorite character is Ira, right? Love a good Ira. Uh, Murray's got a couple of good moments. Yep. Fran, there's no Richard Kind. I mean, it's a solid episode. No, no. So, yeah, not bad. And then, the, like, the last thing that happens, more or less, is they're trying to... So they accidentally cut off cable for the whole building, or I guess the cable company does because everyone in the building is stealing cable. And so Jamie rigs it so that they can steal cable. But sh- then Paul calls the cable guy without telling her. So they realize the cable guy is coming over. So they're trying to disconnect their stolen cable. The cable guy catches them and disconnects all the stolen cable in the entire building. And so everyone's mad at them. Everyone hates them, blah, blah, blah. And so Ira says, we can go reconnect your building. Let's go do it. And they give the entire city a blackout by right. doing they, it. They blow up the electrical grid somehow. And that's yeah. what happens. Yeah. 
Yeah. So then when the Friends episode starts, they're just all hanging out. Oh, the first thing that happens is Chandler's in the ATM vestibule, which is the famous part of this episode. Even though I guess as a Friends episode, there's a lot of Ross yeah. and Rachel stuff and there's a lot of stuff. But as far as I'm concerned, this is the Chandler in the ATM vestibule episode. Oh, yeah. That, that is the best part of the episode. But I don't think that's how it starts. It starts with all of them in the coffee house, except Chandler. He might be in the vestibule at the same time. But remember, Phoebe's going to sing a song. And just as she starts, the lights go out. I do. Have, I've always liked that moment. I thought that is pretty. Was, fun. Yeah, pretty that's funny. right. Yeah. That is pretty funny. Yeah, I think it's that. And then I don't know if they go right to the credits or if then I don't remember. But then Chandler yeah. Chandler's in the ATM vestibule. Yeah. And like that also is when the blackout starts. So there's there's two moments of it in that episode. Yeah. But then, yeah, that's what I always remembered about this episode. And it also features 1994 legend Jill Goodacre, who we all remember married Harry Connick in 1994. Everyone's favorite bit of trivia. W- <laughs> would you agree? No, I don't even know that they are in the top 30 couples on your list of people that got married in 1994. Well, shit. They're somewhere down the list. But, I mean, they did get married in 1994, so good for them. And they're still married to this day. Are they really? Good for them. That's, that's why they even I even brought it up. I didn't bring it up just for laughs. But apparently, they <laughs> got married between when they filmed that episode and when it came on. Because in the credits, very strangely, she's credited as Jill Connick playing Jill Goodacre. As though Jill Goodacre is just a character. <laughs> and even though that's her, it's such a that's such a crazy credit to me that I was like, okay. Yeah, and she look, she's not creating character in this episode. She is just sitting and staring at Chandler being stupid, which right. is great. Chand- it totally works. Chandler should have won an Emmy for this episode because oh he God. is everything in that episode. Like, he is doing all sorts of, like, great physical stuff and great. Oh. His, his thoughts are just hilarious. He's a great episode. When he spits the gum, I was dying. It's a great moment. So funny. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so Chandler's stuck in the ATM vestibule with Jill Goodacre. And then the rest of the folks are at Monica and Chandler's apartment. And this is the episode, one of the episodes where we're early in the Ross and Rachel stuff. Ross is into Rachel. Rachel has no idea. Ross tries to tell Rachel, but Ross tries to tell Rachel because Joey tells him that he's going to get stuck in the friend zone, which is actually where the phrase friend zone came from this episode. That was, that's amazing to me that it all started from that episode. Yeah. So, and that's where Rachel meets Paolo for the first time. Paolo's a thing for a few episodes in the first yeah. season. I don't know how long. He's and I think that's there. the first, that's the first episode with Mr. Heckles. Oh yeah. 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 yeah I think so. they don't even mention his name. He doesn't have a credit in the, uh, but he's hilarious. Yeah. Guy. He comes back. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cause there's something with a cat. There's a bunch of friend style hijinks going yeah. on. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I was thinking about as we were watching this tonight is that friends, I, I don't know if it was really one of the first, but it feels like one of the most notable series that has all of the like, like the common jokey bits that kind of become a common language with the people who watch the show, like things like ugly naked guy and Joey's catchphrases and like, I guess catchphrases were a thing, but it feels like there's a lot of quirky pieces that they put into episodes. Where did you think about something that like mad about you, which is just a straight, we've got a couple, we're going to put them in a pretty normal situation and they're going to be funny about it because we have funny actors and funny writers versus we've got all this, like all this stuff. Like, does that make sense? Yeah. I think, I, I mean, if you look at sitcoms before this and I'm, I'm no TV historian, but like, I've seen a lot of stuff. I feel like it was always, whatever the situation was, and then they get, uh, if it's a big cast show, Mad About You is not really a big cast. It, they rely so much on those two and then the, the satellite people a little bit. But you go back to any show with a big cast, like a MASH or Cheers or Mary Tyler Moore, and they give everybody stuff to do, it's still not really based on catchphrases or it's it's very much like, like, I mean, Cheers is the perfect example because Cheers is the perfect sitcom, but it really is just like, this is the, the, the tribulations yeah. we're going through in this sitcom style way. Yeah. And then it's just punchline and, you know, set up yeah. and punchline and just delivers over and over again. Friends yeah. wasn't really like that. I think because the characters are so quirky and then they, they do create these sort of ways of saying things that are funny more so than yeah what's like i mean there's jokes on that show it's not like the big bang theory which became there were no jokes at all it was just people saying things in a silly way but i think you can see this is the progression of how things work where you start with something like friends and it's they do quirky little things that are funny like phoebe doesn't really tell jokes but phoebe is really funny yeah nonetheless and then you take that to an nth degree and you end up with Sheldon, who's doesn't say jokes at all. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just says it in a funny way. I think it's that, and it's the 
the pile of callback like bits and gags that are like just something that you know if you watch the show so there's that like comfort of like this familiar set of like you always talk about ugly naked guy and phoebe sings a silly song like i just i feel like there's more of that in friends than you see in other like in other sitcoms certainly before that you know and i I think that like i think friends is interesting that way because it is it isn't a traditional sitcom i mean really nbc did a lot of stuff like that at that time you look at sitcoms in the 80s or the 70s as good as some of them were or whatever, they all are very much the same template. Like yeah. it, there's not a lot of variety. The settings could be wildly different, like setting this is in the Korean war and this is, you know, this and that. But when you get into the nineties, you just look at what NBC had on. There's nothing like Seinfeld. Seinfeld is again, almost a show without a structure that makes any logical sitcom sense. Yeah. And it just works because everybody is so funny and, and, and the characters are so ingrained and set. And Seinfeld has a lot of, similar things that friends does we're like you know it's just funny when Kramer enters a room like it doesn't actually yeah it doesn't need a punchline or a setup that's just what it is yeah and then Frasier is kind of like nothing else too where it's nothing really like Cheers as it's this like almost theatrical screwball farce of a show yeah that no one even attempts because it's such a complicated thing and why a network would try to stage something like that so I think they really were doing a lot of or a lot of real inventive stuff at that time yeah and like on the surface you could look at friends and see it as being just kind of a generic sitcom with just six white people you know kind of having relationships with each other but the actual nuts and bolts of why that show worked was that those characters and the way they managed to build that kind of stuff up yeah yeah i do think the writing was good like the writing on friends is really good there's there it may not be the same like setup punchline jokes that cheers had but i do think the writing was good same is true of mad about you and seinfeld like they all in different ways just had really strong writing and acting i think that's part of what carries any of those shows through yeah um and then there was madman of the people (laughs) oh well yeah okay i mean i guess we don't really need to talk about the seinfeld episode because it doesn't relate to any of this and the way the story goes is just that seinfeld at this point was such a big hit that they just weren't going to participate and like the story goes that they pitched this to larry david like we're going to do this episode and larry david was just like no we're not going to do that and then the only (laughs) i think the story the joke idea i don't know if this was actually something that they put out but they said the only way they would do it is if they did a crossover with friends but they could kill ross (laughs) (laughs) and i thought that was a great idea that's amazing like everyone's favorite episode when they crossed over with friends and somehow kramer murders ross would just be hilarious i mean fair ross was the worst of them but no that the seinfeld episode that aired that night was the gymnast episode which is a fine episode i mean again they're in season six it wasn't there were still good episodes in the last couple years of seinfeld seinfeld was always a watchable show but it's real heyday was gone like by season six it was coasting a little bit yeah. And so this episode, while it has a lot of really good bits, it, it really I was saying during the episode, the episode should have been the eclair because is the one where George eats the eclair out of the garbage, which is just just hilarious and just a wonderful yeah. bunch of stuff for Jason Alexander to do. But there's a lot of stuff in that episode that also doesn't work at all. Like that's yeah. just kind of filler nonsense. The a lot of the stuff with Elaine is kind of throwaway stuff. Yeah. Um, I think Kramer gets a lot of funny, he has a lot of funny physical bits with the passing a kidney stone, but it is kind of like eh. Yeah. It's nothing yeah. new. You know? No, the, the best part of that episode is George by far. And the, the interesting thing about Seinfeld is like when it's at its best, it, it always does sort of tell at least three, if not four different stories in every episode, right? Like they yeah. do, they come together, but they don't do, they'll do stuff in pairs, but, and I'm sure they do stuff as a, a group of four at Sometimes, times yeah but like it really is like some individual like storylines that come come together yeah. and intersect and that was the beauty of seinfeld is that the storylines would intersect in surprising ways and that was always really funny and yeah. interesting but in this one like the only good storyline was the eclair like everything right. else was just kind of meh yeah and they force a lot of stuff together in that episode like because even george's story doesn't connect the way the other ones do like kramer's passing the kidney stone affects jerry's thing with the gymnast and Elaine and the the magic eye painting with Mr. Pitt like it it's it's kind of unwieldy and all over the place but there was a lot of funny individual bits and I can see then why they threw this together as an episode but yeah but yeah the best Seinfelds were when they could take all the strands and then throw them together and and those were the episodes that really were the masterpiece episodes but no none of this related to the blackout at all not not at all it's funny because we found what did you find like a like a tv guide ad the black and white tv guide ad that was like 
it's blackout Thursday and here are all four episodes. It pretended like they were all participating. Yeah. And then it, like, it must've been jarring to watch Seinfeld and be like, Oh, oh. but the, the TV promos that we saw didn't mention Seinfeld. Yeah. Well, I think they just, it, everybody knew Seinfeld was on Thursday. So it was just part of it, but yeah, no, there was no way to connect it in. No. But the madman of the people promo is that thing where they say he was arrested for looting, <laughs> which you're like, okay, why not? And they so. managed to fit this into one of the 16 episodes they made. That's it. That was it. 16. Next, an all-new Madman column knocks him dead. Can Jack make it up to the family? What you put on the card? My dad killed your dad. Followed by ER tonight. As the story goes, Madman of the People was one of the most successful television shows by ratings that ever got just canceled after one year. It, its ratings were as good as it was because it was airing on the same night as Seinfeld and Friends. And, you know, and then yeah. when it got canceled... The schedule got bounced around a little bit, but it ended up with friends basically also taking that spot so that they would just run uh, reruns at 930 instead of trying to throw in a new show there. So, yeah, that yeah. was uh, Madman of the People's I, legacy. I have to say we did find an episode on, on YouTube, which ended up being the series finale. I'm not sure they intended it that way because it certainly didn't end that way, but it was not good. Yeah, it was nothing special. I appreciate that Dabney Coleman was giving it a good try, though. He did. He he was putting in a full effort. But he is that whole show. Like, there yeah. was nobody else on that show worth a damn. Or not, I, maybe they just weren't giving anybody anything to do because those people really had nothing to work with. No. And But he's he was doing all the heavy lifting. And, yeah. you know, I, I guess he really tried to, to do a couple sitcoms. He had a couple pilots, but I don't know that he ever really had a good television success. The only thing I remember him in any significant amount is he was on boardwalk empire as a, mm. as an old man. Oh, Oh yeah. He had some episodes and he was good. Like, like he was a serious character. So it was a, you know, kind of what you know of as for Dabney Coleman. It wasn't like that. Yeah. No joke on TV. I always confused Dabney Coleman with major dad. What is that guy's name? Oh, Gerald McRaney. Yeah. I confused them. Even saying this out loud. I was like, was he on Deadwood? Cause that was Gerald McRaney. <laughs> And yeah, I was like, I I was like no, no. Is. Like yeah. they don't, they kind of look similar, I guess. But yeah, yeah. they're both kind of like balding or bald, and then yeah. kind of burly dudes. Like I can, yeah. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. No, Dabney Coleman for me. He was in a movie called Cloak and Dagger that when I was a kid we watched all the time. I haven't seen Cloak and Dagger now in thirty-five years, something like that. <laughs> Thirty plus years. I have no idea if it holds up, but uh, I'm guessing that's going to change on Monday. Oh, I'm watching. And now that we've talked about it, Cloak and Dagger is back on the list. <laughs> so, I mean, I watch nine to five a lot, but we watch Cloak and Dagger. Constantly, oh, yeah. So. yeah. So, yeah, that was um, NBC Blackout Thursday. Apparently a very high rated night of television. Yeah. We've occupied an entire show talking about. Yeah. One night of NBC television. I mean, I would say we were pretty tangential about it, but yes, yeah. <laughs> we've talked about everything surrounding these shows. The one thing I feel like we haven't fully done is appreciate the greatness of at least three of the four shows. Like, <laughs> I just want to take a minute and be like, Mad About You and Friends are like two of my top favorite shows of all time. They're so good. They're so funny. Yeah. And Seinfeld is fine. What? <laughs> this is where, of course, I disagree, as Seinfeld is the funniest regular network sitcom of all time. It's not even close to as good as Curb Your Enthusiasm. Okay. I mean, I do love Curb. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I, it's hard for me because whenever I've talked about what I think are the funniest sitcoms of all time or the funniest shows of all time, they tend to be more really joke heavy shows. And I mean, Seinfeld is a joke heavy show, but it also does have that kind of brilliant plot structure that works. Yeah. Curb does kind of perfect that later. Yeah. But I don't think the characters on Curb are quite as funny as George or Kramer. I just don't think that or Elaine. Like, I don't think they really have those characters really um, as great as Larry is. And yeah. And and Cheryl and Jeff and everybody else. I've got an unpopular opinion. Here we go. Kramer's not that funny. Oh my God. <laughs> You're only colored by Michael Richards later life. No, I, I, yes, that is, I mean, he had one bad incident that was real gross and I'm not, I'm not over it, but I just don't think Kramer's funny. He's just like so wacky that it doesn't work. Like Elaine is wacky in the show. That is plenty of wacky. You do not need Elaine and Kramer to be, I mean, they're all wacky, but except Jerry, but like you don't need like what his, like what does he do in his apartment? And why does he enter the room that way? And like, I just, um, it's not my thing. Uh, you and your unpopular opinions. I don't, I don't want to break down for you. Why Seinfeld's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I'm not going to have that conversation, but uh, I do think that 
Seinfeld might be aging badly. I do think if you watch later episodes of Seinfeld, the characters get so extreme that it, it, you can kind of start to look back and be like, was this really that funny? But I think a lot of shows have that problem. The last season of Friends, oh, those yeah. characters are so wild that it, you can look at that and be like, I don't think this show was funny, you know, but Agreed. look at the core years. I think before Kramer becomes a complete cartoon, I think he was a much funnier character. But George yes. is always funny. And George is amazing. Yes. Holds that whole show up. So. Yeah. I will give you and, that. And, and I would say Julie Louis-Dreyfus probably didn't get enough to do on that show, considering how great her career has gone. Oh, my God. Including creating the funniest show of all time, which yeah. is Veep. So. Veep, yeah. No, she is the best TV actress that we will ever have. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, yeah. Lucy. Suck it. Seal Balk and suck it. <laughs> no, we are living through the golden age. I mean, it's even hard to say if it's over. She's Now she's going to be in the Marvel Universe. She's oh. just doing stuff. Great. And she's, she's had so like good. so much. She was on Saturday Night Live. I mean, she wasn't great on Saturday Night Live, but that was the Eddie Murphy years. Nobody yeah. was great on that show. She was figuring it out. I mean, the new adventures of old Christine apparently is good. She was great on Arrested Development. Like, oh, yes, she was great on Arrested Development. So much, so much uh, good stuff. Yeah. And then again, yeah. Veep is a masterpiece. Veep is a masterpiece. Joe and I are rewatching Veep right now because we love yeah. it so much. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's the one thing you can go back to with Seinfeld and say that maybe they didn't use her enough. Yeah. And like, before that, really all she's got on her resume is Saturday Night Live and then Christmas Vacation. She's she's great in Christmas Vacation, yeah. but she's you know, she didn't do a lot of movies. So you can maybe make the case that like they didn't realize what they had with her and they could have given Elaine more to do. Even though Elaine's a main character, she has stuff to do, but yeah. you never saw her really get to there's not a lot of great Elaine episodes like yeah. there are great Kramer episodes or great George episodes. Yeah. So it might be unfortunate. But apparently that's what you wanted to talk about. Mad About You, I think Mad About You is great. Don't get me wrong. But Mad About You is a writing show, I think, first and foremost. As good as they are, that that is what makes that whole thing work. And because that show does take these big swings between being comedies and then having weird drama episodes. Yeah. I, I disagree. I, I think their acting is critical. Uh, Helen Hunt is not like a great comedian. She's she's a good actress, I think. And I, I think Paul Reiser's great. Like, I we're, think he's very funny. We're talking about Academy Award winner Helen Hunt, right? Here. Yes, she's a good actress. But she's not a, a comedian. Like, she's not she's not Julia Louis-Dreyfus. She's an actress, right? And so I think, but I think that's what makes it so good is because, and that's why you can have that drama is because she is a real actress. And so she can kind of elicit between, and I think they play off each other well. So that's how you get to those like comedic moments where she's like so much of Jamie's comedy is in her, like the nuance of her mannerisms. It's in her facial expressions and it's in her reactions. And, and then you just kind of play off Paul Reiser, who I think is very funny, but like there, I remember they did like, a, it was a gimmicky episode, but it was an amazing episode after they had the kids. So this was like late in the run. They did an episode that was all one shot. Do you remember this? Kind of. Yeah. It was the, the, the plot in the room. Was, yeah, well, no, they, the plot was that they were letting the kid, like, it was right, the first time they were the letting the baby, the like, and they're in the hallway. cried out, yeah, and they're yeah. just sitting on the floor of the hallway, and they did it in one shot, and it, it was amazing, like, it was, like, moving and funny and lovely, and, and that's the beauty of Mad About You. I, I think that show is just phenomenal because of that balance. And also, like, I, I think because of that, it also holds up really well. Yes. I don't think Mad About You is a show that ages badly because yeah. it's not quite as, it's not zany, it's not that kind of show, like, it's a yeah. very straightforward show. And in a lot of ways, it's an older style sitcom, too, where yeah. even though it manages to stay relevant and, and stay funny in a lot of ways that I think 70s sitcoms don't, it is it's still a traditional show. There's not a real a real wacky element or something really strange. It's a it's a relationship comedy. It's a family comedy in a lot of ways, even yeah. though they don't they only have the kid at the end. Yeah. That's true. And I would say, like, Joe and I watched The Revival. I've, I've watched The Revival twice through now because um, I watched it when it first came out and then Joe and I watched it. And it is better than some of the other revivals that have come out. Like what else is, has, I mean, the X-Files revived and was terrible. <laughs> yeah. I know that's not a sitcom, but like it, that yeah. didn't work. And then well, like Will and Grace came back. Yeah. Well, I didn't um, watch any of that, but, but I mean, but any show that had any gap of time, Arrested Development came back yeah. and didn't work. I, I, I never saw the last season of it because I really didn't like the fourth season. So yeah. maybe it got better. But th this seems to be something that's almost exclusive to animated shows where they can go off and come back and still work. But I thought Mad About You holds up. And I think that actually is part of my argument is because the writing was so solid yeah. that even though their acting isn't quite the same, it still works because I think the show, yeah. the the characters remained very strong in the writing. I yeah. Yeah. The writing like held steady. Paul Reiser was pretty much the same. Like he yeah. felt very much the same. She, I think, 
it's harder to find Jamie. I think Jamie's more complex as a character and, and she's a real actress. So it's, it's harder, you know, but like it, overall, I think it worked pretty well yeah. compared to some of the other revival. revival yeah. I mean, Murphy Brown. Oh, Murphy Brown. That's the one I was thinking of. That yeah, was terrible. The Murphy Brown, and I loved Murphy Brown, the original yeah. show, but the Murphy yeah. Brown revival was terrible. Like it was yeah. as though they didn't remember what any of the characters did. Like it was just an, a mess. Yeah. And yeah. And like they shouldn't be bringing these shows coming back. It's just this nostalgia idea. It's like making a sequel to a movie 20 years later. You just don't need it. You know? Yeah. And so I think that was part of the issue with that. But yeah, totally holds up. Uh, I don't think we're going to get a Madman of the People revival. I, I would be surprised. Probably not. Yeah. They only had those, what, 16 episodes? Yeah. And there was Dabney Coleman. There was the woman who played the mother in Providence, which is the best what else was she in? Remember, we looked her up. She was the mom in Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. She was. Yeah. yeah. Those were the two things we knew her from. Yeah. So not. Yeah. yeah no. I don't know if she's coming back. Nothing There's special. Literally no one else you know in that. So uh, when it comes to TV crossovers, I realize this isn't exactly a crossover, but but Ursula is in the Mad About You episode very yes. briefly. Does she pop up a lot in more in Mad About You going forward or on Friends? Uh, she's on Friends a lot. Really? She is, I mean, a lot. Like, once or twice a season, maybe. Like but She was consistent? She was consistent, yeah. Because she was Phoebe's sister. Like, she would pop up relatively regularly. Yeah. And, oh, and I forgot, we didn't talk about this. Helen Hunt and Leela Kenzel, her friend Fran, did show up at Central Perk in an episode. Oh. And they, like, met Phoebe, and they, like, tried to order from her, and Phoebe was like, oh. Like, it was a funny moment. It was, like, oh. a, one of their, an open to it to an episode or something pretty early on but that was good yeah no like that is a thing i think ursula stays on mad about you because they keep going to that restaurant yeah i mean i would imagine at some point she would have to drop off because lisa kudrow became a big old deal but like think. they continue to go to whatever garfs or whatever that restaurant was called yeah so i think she was on as much as they could get her on yeah and ursula was pretty consistent on friends so this isn't exactly a crossover like this whole event is this crossover night with this theme and because they're all supposed to be in the same place and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But again, Seinfeld doesn't participate. So we started thinking about this idea of like TV crossovers and TV universes and what exists in the same universe. Yeah. And then the whole idea that there never was a friend Seinfeld crossover, even though they were on the air for four or five years at the same time. Yeah. Not that they needed to do it, but they were in the same yeah. city on the same network. But we but do then, know they're, they're in the same universe because Kramer in an episode of Mad About You rents Paul's bachelor apartment. And we know that, so we know Seinfeld and Mad About You are in the same universe. And we know that Mad About You and Friends are in the same universe. So they are in the same universe. Yep. They just never actually cross over. And I don't believe Seinfeld ever references Friends. Because Seinfeld does reference other shows, when, especially that season where they're making the show, where they're doing yeah. the pilot. They, they reference Cheers a lot. And George Went is on it as himself. So like oh. that is very much a, a, that's not the same thing. But Cheers, while Cheers is in the same universe for sure as Wings... Because Wings had some Cheers characters on it yep. from time to time. And I think it's the same universe as like St. Elsewhere. Like Cheers didn't do a ton of crossovers, but did a couple. Uh, you can start to sort of tie things together. But Seinfeld and Friends never actually cross over. Yeah. Which was probably for the best. That would have been gross. I mean, those are like two completely different shows. Yeah. Like that would have been very weird. Honestly, the fact that like Kramer's apartment turns out to be Paul's apartment is kind of cheap. But at least it's like very slight it's not like paul reiser comes on to seinfeld which i think would have been jarring yeah like I, seinfeld yeah. is such a self-contained universe in a lot of ways that yeah. i don't think that would have worked i actually think it worked because paul's character and kramer's character just like play really well together like kramer's wacky and paul can react to the neuroticism and yeah. like it just it it worked really well but in a lot of ways paul reiser's character buckman is a lot like jerry seinfeld like they're both oh, yeah. comedians in real life totally. and then you know yeah. so it, like that is that role in the show so but again, we, what we want to talk about with crossovers, uh, do you have like favorite crossovers? Is that something you remember when you were growing up? Something you, you dug from other shows or other things? There's a lot. There's more and more crossovers as time has gone on. But as I think media splits and again, there's a thousand TV shows. You see less and less of this, I would guess. I think you have anything be, like that. I think this would be a fun game. I do have a favorite crossover. Can you guess it? <laughs> oh, my God. Um <laughs> Because I, I was thinking of things that I know that I like, but I don't. I'm, I don't know. It's not really a crossover, but I'm guessing it's probably when Mork was on Happy Days. <laughs> no, no, not that. Come on, um, be better than that. I'll give you one more guess. Let's see. What would you? What would you? It be is into? two shows, both of which we watched, uh -huh. have watched quite a bit of. 
Okay. And uh, one of which we have referenced this evening. Ooh. I was going to say, like, I don't remember Mayor Gunderson's dog popping up on the office. <laughs> that wasn't a thing, right? No. Um, uh, no, I don't know. It's ex-cops. Oh, ex-cops. <laughs> Obviously. You know, so I don't even think of that because they're not characters, but that's definitely a crossover show. Yeah. Yeah. There was an episode of The X-Files, season seven, where Mulder and Scully are on the TV show Cops. It's a and great, that's a really fun episode. It's a great episode. And I mean, I love cops. I I, I don't want to get too far into this. Yeah. Because cops got canceled and should have last should have. year. Yeah. But I do love the TV show cops. The, I remember watching cops as a kid with my parents. Like every Sunday night we would watch cops and America's Most Wanted. So that's yeah. the house I grew up in. Fox, when I was a kid on Sunday, was it like that, yeah. that, that lineup was wonderful. Yeah. yeah. America's Most Wanted. Oh my God. That show was oh, great. So great. Yeah. Yeah, no, I didn't think of X. I forgot about X-Caps. Yeah. Well, I think the X-Files Simpsons episode is really good. Also very good. Uh, also yes. a good crossover with that. I was going to say the Futurama Simpsons episode. Oh, which, my God. Which aired years after Futurama was off the air. It's still a wonderful crossover, but I just really like Futurama. So it worked. Yeah, very good. Um, but yeah, no, I, I didn't have immediately like a definite go-to for me. Uh, I was just trying to think and, and see what you had. Because, I mean, there were, I think, a lot more crossovers when we were younger than there really yeah. are now. And now they do like, like I watch those stupid superhero shows on the CW. So like they do crossovers constantly just because they're all superhero shows. Sure. But otherwise, I think it's really just the, the what is it? The unified Munch universe based on, on Richard <laughs> yeah. Belzer's homicide character, right? Just because he popped up on so He was on the X-Files once, right? Munch. Mm-hmm. And then he also pops up in The Wire. So and, and Arrested Development, like he he unifies the whole, yeah. the whole TV uh, spectrum. So yeah, yeah. Just wonderful. I do wish there were more crossovers. I wish they still did that. I don't, again, I don't watch a ton of TV. I watch some sitcoms still, but I don't really watch much. But I wish they did some crossovers. Like, I think that would have been fun if, like, especially the Mike Shure shows could have had a little crossover. Oh, yeah. You know, like, yeah. They could have done something with Parks and Rec and Brooklyn Nine Nine, right? Totally. Like, that yeah, could have totally. happened. Yeah. So, yeah. There's no, no reason I, Ron Swanson couldn't pop up on Brooklyn Nine Nine right, right now. Agree. Yeah. Agree. I don't think Parks and Rec did any crossovers. I can't think of anything. I don't think so. No. And then, like, the Simpsons opening credits, they've had all sorts of people do that, that the couch gag. So I know, yeah, like, yeah. Rick and Morty did one of those once, for what it's worth, but that doesn't really count. That's not a I don't think so, no. no. Or the absolutely awful Simpsons Family Guy episode, just gross. Something Fox forced them to do. Yeah. <laughs> are, you, are you done talking about this? <laughs> I don't know anything about the animated crossovers, A, because I've seen like 10% of the episodes of any of these. I've seen most of Rick and Morty, I think. Yeah. But like The Simpsons, I've watched a small... Per I, I like The Simpsons, but I, I don't watch a lot of it. And mm. the same with even Futurama, I'm not caught up on. And yeah. like, you know, it is not, not my space. Or your Friendster. It's not my Friendster. It's not my Facebook. Okay, well, Blackout Thursday. I don't think any of us will ever forget it. I certainly won't. I mean, look, I do think it is an like, iconic episode of Friends. Like, yeah. I think that episode is is iconic. Even as even it being only episode seven. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Joe and I had a debate tonight about, you know, how quickly Friends hit its stride and was funny. And he thought it took some time. And I think Friends was funny basically from the get-go. Like, the pilot's a little got some kinks to work out but as soon as you get into the show i think you can look at those first 10 episodes and some of them are just just fantastic and uh, i think this is one of them i'd say of the shows we've talked about of this group it probably came together quickest like i don't think seinfeld's first year isn't terribly good um because they didn't know what to do with elaine kramer was sort of dumber than he was yeah. in this savant way that he kind of becomes and Mad About You starts fine, but I think it once it, it took a little bit to just solidify what they were doing. I just mean that Friends characters weren't that solid to start. And so the jokes were mostly set up punchline type jokes and they weren't great jokes because it was a show still figuring itself out. I just mean like once it gets to season two or three and like Joey's real established what he is and the Ross and Rachel relationship makes more sense and is a little more stable. I think that it was, it was just a lot funnier. I think it just needed a little time to get going, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's because like I like I loved Friends from the get go in season one. 
I might, I wonder if I still have this. I had a friend's watch that my parents got me. It was a picture of all of them. It was like one of the first promo pictures of the show. It had a Central Perk logo on it. And I wore it to school. Like I was so into friends, like so into it. Does is that watch picture the poster that still hangs up in your childhood bedroom at your parents' house? <laughs> Different picture, but I do still have a friend's poster hanging in my childhood bedroom. At one point I had two friends posters in my childhood bedroom. Only one remains. Oh my god. Yeah. All right. I, I, I guess I could go with you on it. I, I do think it started well. I don't think that it got really funny until a, a season in. I mean, that's true of most sitcoms. Parks and Rec's not a great show when it yeah. starts. The American Office isn't a great show when it starts. Like yeah. some shows just need a little time to get all those characters going. You know, I'll give you when you talk about friends. Season two is better, but I think season one is great. OK. You know, in this argument, talking about it, like Seinfeld doesn't become a really good show until into season two. It just it yeah. just needed a little time. So, yeah. Well, Seinfeld was doing something much more complicated, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it. I think they needed time to figure out even what they were trying to do. Yeah. So fair. from the original show, the Seinfeld Chronicles, as it was called. But is it really? Yeah. That was the original name of the show. Fascinating. You um, know, the original name of Friends was Friends Like Us. Oh, so really the key to making shows then just cut off the rest of it. The rest of it. I believe the original name of Frasier was Frasier and all of his family. <laughs> Good they thing were, they cut that down. <laughs> nope. This is too many words. Mad about you and not anyone else. <laughs> this is too much. Uh, all right. Well, tune in next week when we're going to do ABC on November 3rd, 1994. My so-called life and Matlock. <laughs> what a night. Oh, man, I have so much to say about Malak. Oh, my God. I have never seen a minute of either show. <laughs> well, that's what's going to make the episode good, because oh. clearly we're going to talk about everything around Matlock. Yeah. <laughs> All the adjacent stuff to Matlock. Yeah. Was there a Matlock, my so-called life crossover? <laughs> Jared Leto goes on trial for something? I don't know. Like, oh, my God. If there wasn't, there should have been missed oh, opportunity. Have been. How great uh, would that have been? We should watch my so-called life. It's supposed to be good. I Yeah, I agree. Okay. I think that about sums it up for Blackout Thursday. I don't know if we can find the episodes for Hurricane Saturday, but we'll give it a shot. We'll see what we can do <laughs> up if whenever we do 1991. In retrospect, terrible idea. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm glad NBC got away from doing these sort of let's do a disaster themed episode. You know, we'll do Parks and Rec, but during a tornado and you know. <laughs> yeah. tsunami Wednesday. Ooh, why did we decide to do this? <laughs> How do we get all these shows to be in the Philippines? <laughs> What a terrible idea. No. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. We really appreciate it here on yeah. episode 200. I have no idea when this airs. <laughs> do you want to do the fun outro? Oh, God, I'm terrible at the outro. Sure. Wango. Oh. <laughs> All right. I, I was trying to prompt you. Uh, yeah, thank you. Because one time you just said bluey. <laughs> I just want to say wango. Oh, you can say uh, wango. All right. Well, we will see you guys later. And uh, peace out. A-town. What, 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 what? perfect <laughs> thanks everybody this has been it happened one year please take a minute to rate us on apple podcasts or wherever they allow ratings please follow us on google podcasts spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts also please follow us on all relevant and irrelevant social media see ya see ya